I'm Jay Wilds, a hunting guide that lives down in the pristine landscapes of New Zealand. Join my team and I on our dream hunts as we hunt the wild places our wilderness has to offer. Welcome to the JU Wilds podcast. Alright guys, how are we going? Thanks for tuning in. So I'll just fill you in on what's happening at the moment. I'm overseas currently, so I'm outside of New Zealand at the moment. I've been all over the place. I'm going to dive into that just briefly, but... I thought I'd better get these podcasts out. We filmed these podcasts a little while ago. Uh, Pedro has just released his uh, episodes of our hunt on his channel. And you probably would have seen that I released my versions of, of our hunt. You know, the, my versions of the edit uh, a little a bit before that. So we've got all the hunts out there at the moment. I think Pedro's still got to put one episode out. Um, but currently his first episode has just gone live. So if you haven't seen that, make sure you jump on Pedro's hunting channel. Uh, Pedro and Puero hunting and you can find that and also of course jump on my channel and watch uh, my edits as well if you haven't seen them already there's three three hunts on my channel from this trip that Pedro and I did together and actually I'll just dive into that They're, they've been going pretty good first episode was a little bit slow as far as sort of reach and stuff like that I think it got a hundred thousand views uh, but I was hoping it was going to get a bit more second episode went really well still seems to be going pretty strongly but the third episode, um, I end up getting my big bull on that episode. Uh, it was uh, it's actually a real nice bull. I was real stoked with it. I think it was like eight, nine-year-old bull. And I think it measured out at 13 and a half inches. Not that we normally measure animals. But for people that are constantly asking me, yeah, 13 and a half inches is what it went. So, yeah, great bull. Pedro and I were stoked as to finish a trip on that. Uh, that episode there on my channel didn't quite didn't quite go as well as I thought it would. I mean, it's only been up there for probably a week now, maybe less than a week um, by the time I'm recording this. But it actually, I felt like it could have done better, and I feel like it still hasn't found its audience. So, yeah, all going well. It's going to crank soon because I feel like that video should be a million view video in my opinion it's a cool hunt cool story and um yeah just cool just cool adventure so get behind it guys comment share it around like it do all the stuff and help that video get some algorithm action uh one thing i'll just say too is so my videos obviously are my standard sort of vlog style which you guys know and you guys enjoy just as the sort of behind the scenes feel vlog approach uh pedro's done his uh typical sort of film um, television show style edits which are more highly produced so yeah you'll be able to see a difference there and you can sort of experience both sides of it just as general vlog style and then also something that's a bit more polished um, which is pretty cool bit of variety for you on the same hunt and um, yeah just once again make sure you jump on our youtube channels and go give those videos some loving highly appreciated so i don't know if you can hear it right now but around me there's some crazy bird life and there's <laughs> different birds if you're from New Zealand you I don't I don't even know if you can hear them singing but there's parrots squawking there's all sorts of stuff happening all around me so right now as I'm recording this I'm in Australia um, I'm currently in South Australia I've just caught up with Catherine and River flowing over here staying with Catherine's parents and yeah we've been 
getting ready for the wedding next month and doing all sorts of stuff like that. I actually, we went for a bushwalk yesterday and I was looking for lizards and snakes. Uh, I had a little river with me and Catherine and yeah, we found some cool wildlife. Caught river was with, in my arms, well river was actually in Catherine's arms when I caught a bearded dragon and then, you know, I showed river, my daughter river that is, if anyone knew that's just tuning in. I showed River the lizard up close and um, she thought it was great and she even grabbed its tail and tried to pull the poor thing so yeah she thought it was amazing though so that was pretty cool. She was very interested in all the wildlife, the birds, the kangaroos, the lizards and stuff like that so yeah that was pretty exciting for me seeing my daughter so interested in nature like that. Um, but yeah can't, what have I been up to so since, since I've last um, done any podcasts or spoken publicly uh, we released the Joe Fluidy podcast which hopefully you've listened to it's one previous to this and that was great that was a cool podcast I mean me and Joe have got so much to talk about which is it's always awesome when we can sit down and have a chat together but um, yeah if you haven't listened to that podcast go back and have a scroll back and have a listen to that for sure it's a cool yarn and we, um, yeah, we just touched base. Joe was just about to head overseas. Uh, I was just about to head overseas. Um, but since since that, I mean, Joe's still overseas, and so am I. But since that, we've done, um, you know, we've done some pretty cool stuff. I'm going to save Joe's Joe Fluidy's side of things for another podcast when we catch up in November. Um, but I'll tell you about what I've been up to. So I spent three weeks in French Polynesia, um, bouncing around islands over there fishing filming for the fishing channel and it was amazing like i i really enjoyed it over there and i filmed some episodes i caught a lot of fish but i will say that the fish quality wasn't what i hoped uh, the islands that i was fishing off in the lagoons over the coral flats and stuff like that the islands they were pretty well overfished unfortunately and i sort of found out that um, once i got over there the population of the islands was relatively high for the landmass so what that means is generally the the accessible areas you know like for me I was all land based stuff so I was walking around wading the flats wading through the coral um, standing on the little points casting into the lagoons and stuff and I was hoping I was going to find a lot of medium-sized trevally bluefin gts bonefish and then obviously some big ones as well um, but that was just, they were non-existent. And I found out afterwards that the locals, they net the lagoons. So they're, they're not, there's not so much rod and reel fishing going on over there, but there's a lot of netting and set lining. Um, and I didn't, didn't realize that until I was actually there. So the fishing was tough as far as like bigger fish goes. But if I was using the light setup, you know, like the P.5, set up the little 2500 um, Daiwa TD black reel I'd catch a fish every cast you know it was it was loaded as far as small reef sized fish you know up to roughly 20 centimeters in length and smaller there was just it was like unlimited every cast if I wanted to catch a fish every cast on that setup I could have that's that's how how many little fish you were and that was fun but I had the plan on going over there and 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 catching a variety of fish you know like the small fish medium sized fish you know when I say medium I'm talking like you know two to six kilo or round about that sort of thing you know like 40 50 centimeter sized fish 
and then obviously bigger fish too i was hoping to get some big gts um you know there's even there was even the potential of, of land basing yellowfin and mahi mahi so that was that was kind of my plan as well just have a variety of fish from small all the way up to like big proper big fish uh, but the medium-sized fish and the big fish were very very elusive and i fished very hard i tallied up going by the gopro um, recordings and stuff like that i tallied up how many casts i did with the pe10 set so with the big heavy set and on poppers and big stick baits and stuff and it was at least two and a half thousand casts but it was more likely three thousand or over so i did if you say i did two and a half thousand casts on a big setup all i caught was a barracuda and i had a big gt bite the lure on the first day but outside of that that's all the action i got on the big set so within a few thousand casts that's all i had so it's pretty it's pretty gutting man to be honest um moving down to the lighter setup the pe4 sort of saltiga setups where i'm casting those smaller to mid-range lures i didn't catch uh, i don't think i caught a single fish on them in the lagoons on the outer reef i caught some sort of coral trout type things uh what else did i catch i had a barracuda hit i had a brief smaller gt hit um he hit, hit the lure hooked up peeled a bit of drag uh, but that was sort of yeah the hooks pulled and that was sort of it and then that was that was basically the gist of that sort of medium-sized combos so very unsuccessful and then yeah like i said before the ultralight setup was just non-stop action but if i'm going to make some videos i wanted a variety of fish you know i wanted all sorts of size fish so in the end i ended, I ended up calling my trip over there short and i was talking with cavi we were potentially going to do a trip to an atoll together uh, straight from i flew to tahiti and then we, i was going to fly i was going to meet up with cav and we were going to fly from tahiti to an atoll but uh, it didn't quite work out with uh, what his plans were right then he was waiting for he had a bit of big business guy stuff happening at, at that time so we needed another week um, before we could team up so in the end i flew home to new zealand i was home for like three days i think it was and then i flew over here to australia so right now i'm sitting in australia it was freaking hot it was 30 something degrees yesterday um, today is starting to heat up real fast and it's still early in the morning so today's going to be hot too but this afternoon i'm going to go and look for some snakes and lizards again which is so <laughs> i freaking love doing that and um yeah that's kind of what i'm up to but i'm editing at the same time uh what else have i got to tell you guys about i'm hoping to catch up with the boys next week uh, fly up to queensland catch up with the guys go do some fishing trips we've got to get some big gts i need to catch some big gts especially after fishing for so long in french polynesia i need some action so yeah we're gonna we're gonna do some pretty hardcore fishing missions coming up but yeah so that's pretty much in a nutshell that's a quick overview on what i've been up to in since the last podcast uh, there's been a lot of traveling a lot of air time and there's been a lot of exploring um it's been cool don't get me wrong but it hasn't quite been as successful as i hoped for the youtube guys for all you guys out there wanting videos so we're going to change that we're going to change that on the next trip that's for sure but i'll talk about this podcast so i sat down with pedro me and pedro did i think it was a 16 day hunt uh or he had his travel time either end of that but we were together for 16 or 14 days or something 
and um, yeah, we spent some some amazing time in the mountains. But yeah, we did two podcasts. This is the first part of it. This is going to cover the behind the scenes, the in depth stuff of the trip, and we actually filmed this. We recorded this in in my tent on a really stormy, snowy, nasty day. So yeah, you'll probably hear a bit of weather outside. You'll probably hear some wind, uh, some sleet, rain, snow, all sorts of stuff. So bear with us, but it's a cool yarn and it recaps what you won't see on the videos. This sort of goes more in depth, of course. You know, like I always say, the podcast is like the book version of a movie. So you've, if you've seen the YouTube videos, what you're about to listen to is going to give you more detail, more behind the scenes action. And yeah, just it's just going to go into, into more depth, you know, as we can, because we're just talking about it. We're not trying to fit it all into a video. So yeah, jump on Pedro's channel. Go give his video a watch. Give my videos a watch. And of course, you can find Pedro on Instagram. Pedro and Puero CA, I believe is his handle. Uh, you can always find it through my Instagram if you need to. Um, he'll be tagged in a lot of the latest posts and stuff like that. So go and give Pedro some loving. Um, subscribe to both our YouTube channels. Do all the things you know, you know it all. But um, yeah, without further ado, let's get stuck into the podcast with Pedro. So... Get ready guys thanks for tuning in once again all right guys pedro and i are sitting in the tent it's bad weather outside what have we got pedro rain storm we woke up today what day is it even day nine in terms of the month or hunt, hunt. i think it's our sixth or seventh hunting day seven it has been beautiful weather so far so i think we deserve a little bit of bad weather and rain seven you're right it's the seventh seventh day and we've had the most amazing weather that you could ever ever ask for on the west coast of new zealand like we've had no clouds in the sky every day no no it has been beautiful no wind anything which i'm not sure it has it has been good for the animal activity because i think they have been laying down most of the day without moving but for walking around it has been gorgeous so it's been a dream weather window for hunting <laughs> but we've finally got some bad weather so we've been sitting in camp all day. It's now one o'clock and it's still raining. It's not very cold though, eh? No, that's the worst part. I, I think I would prefer snow than rather than rain because everything is kind of wet. Mm. Hard to keep the, the tent in place because we are camping over the snow and all the peaks are, my peaks are coming off. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into the fine details soon guys, but Pedro, He's just alluding to the fact that we've got to tell the story. So this morning I woke up and he was kind enough to bring over one of my MSRs and some water, some coffee for me to make myself coffee in my tent. And he also took the other one to his tent to make himself a coffee. And while he was boiling the water, do you want to tell the story? You may as well tell the story because it happened to you. Yeah, I, I boiled the, the water, getting ready to have a nice coffee inside my tent listening to the rain on the outside and one of the peaks from the main peak from my tent just came off because we are on the snow and they just the softest melt the snow is melting a little bit because the temperature is actually not that cold and it just suddenly came off the whole boiling thing with the boiling water inside my tent the coffee inside my tent all the tent wet <laughs> the rain coming through the door I and just yeah. hear him from my team, I just hear him like yelling. 
<laughs> a oh, bunch no. of Spanish bad words. So we're having another coffee. Pedro's come over into my tent and we thought it's a good opportunity to talk about the hunt up until this point. What's happened? So we don't know, we don't have any notes, which we should do, but we're just gonna run it through day by day and, and try and recap some of the highlights or most of the cool stuff that's happened so far. So like we said, it's day number seven. And um, yeah, we're right now we're we're at actually our camp, our location number two. We shifted halfway through this hunt, but we'll get into that. But we might as well start from the very start, man. So I picked up Pedro from Queenstown Airport um, on a Saturday, wasn't it? We stayed, what did we do? We stayed the first night and, oh, we shot the rifles, actually. Yeah. Because so you brought after, over you brought over the rifle, your new rifle. Yeah, we we are testing a new prototype from Bergara and I needed to travel with, we wanted to test it on this hunt because we thought that it was like the perfect environment, perfect hunt for what the rifle has been designed for. And bringing the rifle was a freaking nightmare. Like all the paperwork that you need to do as an international hunter to bring the rifle inside the, inside New Zealand, it was surprising because I travel with the rifle in a lot of countries and probably is the hardest one. They they contact you to ask for more information where we're gonna be, yeah. where we're gonna store the guns. It was it was ridiculous. Like like Pedro said, the stress involved even for me. Like they were contacting me. We got Jack Russell involved from. Queenstown hunting and fishing and um, yeah it was a mission like even a couple of days before you getting here we weren't even sure if it was going to be accepted they <laughs> because the final confirmation was from the airline and they told me no we're going to confirm you 24 hours before the flight and I'm like oh that's lovely thank you <laughs> it helps a lot <laughs> to don't know in 24 hours in advance if I'm going to be able to travel with my rifle that sounds great thank you but finally the, the rifle came and since there was going to be a bad weather the day that we were supposed to test the rifle, we went straight into the range Yeah. after 46 hours of traveling or something like that. Oh man, you, you did well. That's a long so. way to come, but that's right. Like, so I picked him up on a Saturday and the Sunday, which was going to be our range day, we were going to go and I was going to shoot um, my Mountain 2.0. Pedro was going to shoot the new rifle. Um, on the Sunday, but that day was just like snow, blizzard, the worst weather you could imagine. So we decided to, we had like, what, two two hours of daylight after you arrived. So we boosted up there, Jack came with us, Joe Fluity came with us. We, we shot up to Mountain Precision's range and um, unfortunately Dan wasn't there, he was elsewhere, but uh, the four of us anyway put some rounds through the, through the rifles and my rifle was shooting well, luckily. Uh, so we didn't need to do anything and it was it was pretty cool to see the new Begara in action. So we, we probably should tell them about the new Begara a little bit. Do you want to like, do we, do we want to go into that? Its name is the Big Buck Slayer 3000 model. <laughs> it doesn't even have a name yet, so. It's funny, like Pedro said before coming here, he said to Begara, you have 24 hours, What wasn't it? You have 24 hours to give us a name, otherwise we're making the name up ourselves. <laughs> And I was like, oh, bro, we got to call it the Big Buck Slayer 3000. And what was yours? What was it? Puss in uh, Boots 69. <laughs> yeah, because, because they say that my voice resembles to Puss in Boots. Yeah. And Puss in Boots. <laughs> Catherine, Catherine come up with that. She's like, Pedro reminds me of Puss in Boots movie way too much. So anyway, that name's kind of stuck. But anyway, so we got the Big Buck Slayer 3000 on the range. Yeah, because I... I Actually, the rifle was built 
one week and a half before all the parts arrived, one week and a half before coming into here, which actually it was kind of tricky because to do the paperwork to bring the rifle, we had to have the license, the number and all that. So they had to build a fake rifle with that barrel, like put, put like a whole name and the license of the rifle. And then when all the parts arrived, reassemble the rifle to bring it over here. So one week before coming, I didn't have the scope set up on the rifle. They have never shot with it. So yeah, typical last minute. It's stuff. a cool. It's a cool rifle though. It's like a. It's a carbon barreled rifle. It's a carbon stock. It's like an MGT collaboration with Bagara, isn't it? Yeah. So they they, they have collaborated with MDT, with uh, they. I don't know how to explain MDT. They make uh, stocks, and it's more like a tactical stock. So it will have. You, you're probably gonna be able to explain it better. Yeah. It's. It looks. It looks really tactical. Like it's. Um. It's got a pistol grip stock. It's all carbon fiber. Um, it's in caliber wise 6.5 PRC. What's the barrel length on it? It's got a muzzle 24. break on it. 24 inch barrel. 24 inch barrel. Yeah. Carbon barrel, so with pure carbon. You guys will see it on the on the on the videos that Pedro and myself put out from this trip. But yeah, like my first impressions when Pedro sent me the photo on WhatsApp. I was like, there's no way that we, the country's letting that thing come into it. It looked like a freaking Russian sniper rifle or yeah. something. <laughs> but um, it's a cool rifle, I will admit, it's a cool rifle. And it shoots amazingly, eh? Like we, yeah, I think like the... For my looks and for my design, it might not be the rifle that I that most people are used to. I think we are... It's not, it's not like a hunting platform. But to be honest, it's like super practical. So like the pistol grip fits, fits great. When you shoot it, uh, it feels great, the recoil and everything, because they, actually the carbon absorbs a lot, of the, a, a, a lot of the recoil. Also, it has the Arca mount, which is like the stock has a machine mount for your tripod all along the stock. So you can attach it to a tripod in any position and that's that, handy that that feature's so handy so you guys imagine the you imagine the base plate that fits onto the top of a tripod well the foregrip of the stock of this rifle has that same dovetail mount so you can basically put it on any tripod and it just slots in there and you've you've, you've automatically got a rifle set up on the tripod without having to add another plate or anything it's pretty freaking cool yeah but, which i think for like mountain hunting when you you need to shoot from one valley to another, and you need to shoot like very steep angles, and and you don't. There's a lot of times that you don't have enough things to put on to get that that right angle. Like you try to put one backpack, two backpacks, and you're still too low with a with with a tripod, and especially the type of tripod that we bring for filming, it's just like super super handy. Yeah, yeah, and what Lupold VX6 on the top as well. Yeah, which is nice. It's a nice combo. Three to eighteen by fifty. So I think that's my favorite loophole scope, in my opinion, with the red dot, with the with the electronic bubble that most people yeah didn't know. That's something, man. Hang on a sec, guys. Can you hear the weather? It's just coming in hot now. That's wind. That's rain. Probably sleet pummeling into the tent. So you know, this is we're in the action right here. We're literally on top of a mountain. So you just have to bear with that environmental nastiness outside hopefully you can hear us all right but yeah like peter was just saying about the 
electronic bubble, I wasn't even aware that this was a thing. So it's like the fire dot or the red dot on your Lupod scopes. This particular VX6 model, if the rifle's off canter, so if it's off, off level, the red dot actually flashes and it will tell you that the rifle's off level, which I don't know how I didn't know about that, man. I'm a Lupod ambassador and I still didn't know about that, which is not a good thing. But a bunch of people don't, don't know about it, but I think it's only on the VX6 line. But it's honestly, that was, man, that is such a cool thing. That's such a cool feature. Just imagine, guys, if you're like set up on, the, on an animal and you're, you don't have a level bubble on your scope, which I don't personally, but you know, your rifle's off on, onto a lean. That little dot, that little red fire dot, it's flashing at you, telling that the rifle's off, off center. So you just adjust the rifle until the dot stops flashing and then you know your, your level, which is, man, that's cool. And you guys will be surprised about how bad we level things on the mountains when everything is off level. You set the rifle and you will say like, yeah, I think it's level. You will look to that red dot and it will be flashing and like, nah, I cannot be right. And it forces you. It's the same with a bow sight that you think that you are level, but those we often, I mean, most of the times we are not level. So sometimes we just need all the help we can get. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> no, and and you can also deactivate it. So if because some people maybe may not need that depending on the range that you are going to be shooting. So you can also put it like flat. So it's pretty pretty handy. Yeah. So on the range we shot it on paper at 100, and it was it was grouping really nicely, and then we had more daylight so we we shot all the way out to the 600 meter gong didn't yeah, we 600. and it was basically hitting the center of the gong so it was it was you know i could pick the rifle up shoot the 600 and it would go exactly where we wanted pedro do the same jack shot it as well jo did joe yeah i think all of all of all them of shot one yeah so like any of us picked up the rifle we could we could shoot out to 600 meters and and you know hit exactly where we were aiming so that was pretty cool so yeah that was our Saturday, man. Like we, we got the range day in on the good weather, and then that night I think we went out for dinner, didn't we? Oh, Jack came with us. Joe came with us. So the four of us went out for dinner in Queenstown. That was nice. It's pretty busy though. There was like a, a festival going on in Queenstown, a, a lights festival or something. So the place was busy. Pedro and I stayed at um, the Heritage Hotel, and we caught a taxi into town that night. And it took us ages because it was bumper to bumper traffic going into Queenstown. Um, but I mean, once we got into dinner, it was good. Had a couple of quiet beers and good meal, and and then um, and then went back and went to bed. Sunday morning, we woke up to a pretty stormy day. Eh? It was raining, yeah, windy. There was snow um, down to 800 meters. So a lot of the hills around, like the range that we shot at the night before, was covered in snow now. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a, a wet day and we we're so stoked we got the rifles sighted in that day. But the Sunday we ended up going to hunting and fishing in Queenstown there and we bought some supplies, didn't we? We got a few bits and pieces from Jack's shop. Um, what else did we do? Grocery yeah. shop. We pretty much yeah, got we, everything prepped, eh? I think the main thing that I was missing were, it was the food. So Because I brought everything else but the, all the food for the whole nine days. Yeah, so we bought, bought a bunch of meals, all the groceries. Yeah, that's right. Way more food. I, I have never been on a hunt that the lunch bag for the day, you know, like we put everything for a day just on independent bags. So we are make, making sure that we only eat as much as we can. And we are still every day, we have extra food that we cannot even eat. So <laughs> it has been. It's probably a good problem to have. Yeah. Uh, 
that reminds me, Pedro told me that he did a hunt in America. Was it last year you did the hunt or the year before? He, he did a hunt anyway recently and he came back from the hunt 10 kilos heavier. No, he wasn't 10 kilos, but like he was, uh, <laughs> I, I came back heavier from a 10 day full back, backpack. I trip. think that's hilarious. Normally you're meant to so. lose weight, but he gained weight. <laughs> but we're probably going to do that on this trip, man, because we've been eating so well. So yeah, yeah anyway, there's a few laughs. Sunday, um, yeah, Sunday was just a prep day, man. Like we, we were going over maps. We knew where we wanted to go. And um, yeah, we got all our gear ready. Like the, our hotel room, eh? Our hotel room looked like a bomb site. Like there was stuff everywhere. Every little available space on the floor had a box or had like a bag of stuff. And we just had stuff sprawled out everywhere. So 90% from Joe's. Yeah, it because was. Because I had everything super well organized. Well, yeah, your excuse is you had to fly over here with it already. So I've got, I'm going to be hunting for the next month and a half or so. So I've got like way too much stuff down here. But we had it all, we took some photos. Like it's, you wanted to see the hotel room. It was pretty freaking funny. So the extra luggage was $75 per kilo. Oh, extra luggage here. to get something over here. So I really packed $75 per kilo extra. extra. How many kilos over with? 35. 35 no, kilos. 35, that's the, oh, yeah. the allowance that I had and I nailed it. Oh, did you? <laughs> but that including like the rifle box, yeah. the rifle, the ammunition, so... You'd want to be on target so you don't yeah, pay yeah. $75 an extra. Sheesh. Yeah. I think like we probably finished packing pretty late that night too, eh? Yeah. Did we get, we got to bed like pretty late I suppose, but... So m Monday anyway, Monday we woke up and we 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 detoured down to Jack's shop, hunting fish in Queenstown, and we picked up our rifles, which were both in his storage, the safe storage, and said, see you later, alligator. Carried on to Wanaka, stopped in at Zim's place. I introduced Pedro to Zim, and we dropped off a whole lot of stuff there. Um, in his, oh, he's just got a bit of room there, so I normally like to store a bit of stuff there while I'm down here. Saves me leaving it in my vehicle. Um, so we caught up with Zim, didn't we? Had a bit of a yarn, had a coffee, and then from there we went, went over to the heli base, didn't we? We went to Haast, stopped in at the office there, and um, yeah, we got ready for flying, and uh, Nathan was our pilot, flying HVT, the 500, and he turned up about, I think it was like 1 o'clock, wasn't it? 12, 12 o'clock? Maybe, yeah, like yeah, yeah, something, something like that. We loaded everything into the helicopter and we flew into flew into our area. So I'll tell you a little about this little bit about this area just to set the scene. So we are right on the edge of a wilderness area. As you guys know, I like to hunt those, you know, those wilderness areas if I can. And um, this particular place I've never been into before, but I've heard some cool stories over the years. And I've hunted around it where I can like look over to it and it just looks amazing like everything about it looks amazing all the past stories i've heard look amazing talking to helicopter pilots talking to um, people i know that have hunted nearby uh, i don't know anyone that's hunted it on foot but i know people that have you know flown over it and hunted nearby looking into it so this place is a place i've wanted to go for a very long time i think elevation wise we we plan to camp at around 1200 meters a eh, elevation yep. so yeah, long story short, we fly in there, we land. It was a pretty rough flight in though, eh? Because it was 
the tail end of that storm, which was the day before, so there's still a lot of wind around, and um, the helicopter was sort of moving around a bit. Poor but I had, I, I had my motion sickness pills that will never let you down. <laughs> yeah, you did, and you probably good. <laughs> no, I was fine. Yeah, probably good you had them, eh? Yeah. Pedro was in the back of the helicopter and the thing was like swaying around all over the place. It was windy, like like up the Haas River. It was that windy, it was creating like big dust clouds and you know, like mini tornadoes and stuff as we were driving through. So Yeah, we thought that we may couldn't fly that day, but the guy was like, Yeah, no problem. Yeah, just another day for Nathan. <laughs> so yeah, we ended up we ended up flying up to our little spot there and we, we sort of done a, a little circle around trying to find the exact spot we wanted to land, which is outside the wilderness area. Um, landed down, and we're in the snow. There's, you know, because it's fresh snow from the day before. So we landed, unloaded the helicopter. Um, helicopter flew away, left us there. And yeah, me and Pedro are just like, man, here we go. Like, this is it. We're in the moment. And looking around, like, amazing scenery. We're, we're sort of on a, a ridge that runs down. Um, towards a main big river but on one side of us is a huge big basin and we could see you know you could see for kilometers and you could glass all the opposite faces there's probably I don't know there'd be what would you say a couple of thousand hectares of I mean we could control a lot of country yeah there's a big there. a big view big vision from where we're sitting we can see it all and it's all good looking country you know it's sort of it's that that typical west west coast forest that runs up to that subalpine layer and then up into the mountain tops, you know, which have the snow was basically right down to the bush edge at this point too. So um, pretty quickly we were like seeing animal tracks, eh? Before we even started moving our stuff around, because as you guys know, the first thing you have to do is look through your binos, even though you should be setting up camp. But anyway, so we were, we were pretty stoked about the spot. The spot looked real good to start. So we, um, what did we do then, Pedro? We sort of like looked around where we were going to camp, didn't we? We sort of like milled around. Yeah, we, we set the tents in a pretty good location. The only problem was that we didn't have water close by, but we, Joe brought a big... Yeah, it's like a 25 litre container. 25 litre container of water, which was super handy, because if not, we'll have got to hike down to grab water yeah. every day. And, and you get to, you go through a lot of water between the dry, dried meals and the water you drink and the coffees and all that, you go through a lot of water each day, two guys, so. Yeah, and that, that 25 litre container was gonna be like a, a backup plan, but it ended up, we ended up just using that. Yeah. So we didn't need a, there was no, no tarns handy. I was hoping there was gonna be a couple of tarns, but there was nothing, so anyway, it was really good that we had that container. And um, yeah, we set up our tents. We had, we had the snow shovel, so we had to clear a, a base out for the tents and yeah we, we had a pretty good little spot we could see a bit of country from our camp and and it was sort of tucked away from I don't know it's just a good little posse either way either direction we walked we could you know within sort of 50 meters from camp we could sit down and glass some really good country so it was a nice spot it was a nice spot to sit and um, yeah we set up the tents and got all ready and then that evening eh, we went for the first little look didn't we and we went Pretty close to camp we stayed pretty handy to camp but yeah we did we did glass a lot of country but we didn't see anything at all until last light i think it was like five minutes before dark when when we were on a on a little corner on a little valley like really close to the forest sets and and joe spotted a, a sami yeah it just popped up on a ridge eh? like 200 meters away yeah 
something like that? No, 300. 300? Yeah, just yeah. popped up on a ridge and just stood there just like as they do, you know, just stand there looking around and it was it was quite quite close to the bush edge, it was fairly low and we looked at it and it was it was good, eh? It was a good one. <laughs> Pedro was all over it. But it was like the first evening and we sort of yeah, we watched it, we filmed it, we looked at it through the spotter. I don't know. I regret so much listening to you. I I should have taken that shot. <laughs> because like the that Sammy was was a proper shami like we couldn't see it well that the, the truth is it was that the first afternoon you just arrived in an area and that's always happened the same thing you get an opportunity on the first day that you pass and you regret the whole trip and that's what happened yeah yeah first afternoon don't know the area don't know joe don't know the country much you know <laughs> like so the and the samoa didn't offer like the light was already kind of low so we couldn't have a great look at it like we knew it was big because it was like long and open but we actually are we aren't we aren't sure if it's a buck or a on an annie yeah at the beginning it looked like an annie but then when he walked away i think we could see big solid body to it and and his male attributes yeah there. as pedro put it his male attributes you'll see it in the video <laughs> so it was it was very cool to see though and like Oh man, first evening, eh? In a in a spot that has potential to be amazing. I was like, nah, man, let's not shoot it. But in but hindsight, for, we probably should have. To give some context, I'm from from Spain, from Europe, and for me, like probably Samoa. Well, the Samoa here in New Zealand were brought from Central Europe, and for us over there, like Samoa, it's probably one of the most valuable, one of the our favorite animals, and we hunt them a lot. So. For me, it's probably our my main target of on this trip was to to shoot a Sami over here. Um, and I, I should I should just point out too, like here in New Zealand, uh, a trophy chamois is a you know most people look for a buck, they look for a buck, um, but over there in Europe, an old doe is as high of a yeah. level for for like an animal that's sought after as a buck is, isn't it? So. Actually, in many places, the trophies, the trophy tags, because we have to buy the specific tags depending on on the age of the animals and the quality or whatever, uh, the trophy tags don't differ between male and female. It's trophy. Yeah. So what we look the most is the age of the trophy. So our measure, even our measuring system is not like SCI or I don't know what you guys run over here, SCI mainly or? Yeah, what well, depends on in the industry, it's SCI, but um, a lot of New Zealand Kiwi hunters will just measure length. So you know, anything over nine inches for a buck is a is a good is a good animal. So in in Europe we go uh, by CIC, and CIC in the measuring in the measuring form, age is one of the factors, and they give you more points depending on how old the animal is, which I think it should be done. On deer, you cannot do it because it's impossible to age. I mean, you will have to do the teeth cut to know the age of the deer. But in terms of goats that you can count the, the rings, I think it should be mandatory in all the species. I think the age the age factor in a trophy is a huge thing, man. I wish that we did that in New Zealand. I wish that we did that. Um, I think I heard that they would... You know, I, was probably not even, I probably shouldn't even get into it because I don't even know the facts, but I thought that they were trying to do that with... Um, tar and stuff like that is to create a scoring system that brought an age which I think is massive man like an old animal to me is the trophy rather than 
a big point scoring animal. Yeah. But anyway. and, and I'm talking about trophies and I'm not a trophy yeah. guy. Like <laughs> I, I, I honestly value the a mature animal that that's probably the thing I value the, the most. And I'm sure that doe does buck whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, it looked like an old animal and yeah. how he behaved the just he pick over watch us for a minute and he disappeared forever yeah just walked out of our lives yeah. just like that so uh, to paint a picture guys like it was long so for you, for you New Zealand hunters that would be wanting me to tell you a number right now it was a big long beastie so you'll see it on the videos anyway so that was our first evening then and so we get back to camp, you know, just, just after dark and we cook up our meal and we're sort of talking like, man, we didn't see much, eh? Like we didn't see many animals. We didn't was, see anything else. Yeah, it was like, it was a surprise. I personally expected that we were going to go in there and we were going to find pockets of animals, a lot of animals. There's, there's enough scope, enough country we can look into. So I, I thought that we were going to be seeing good animal numbers in here. Um, but as it was, we didn't. So we get back to camp, we think, oh, well, maybe it's just that first day, you know, first evening, and let, let's see what tomorrow brings. So we sort of chilled out a bit, and then in the morning we woke up, and um, you woke up, like, extra early, didn't you? Oh. <laughs> uh, for, for me, the, the nights are too long this time of the year, because we go to bed at 8.30ish, and the sun comes out at 7.30 or 8 or yeah. 7.30. And there was such a big full moon that I thought that the sun was coming out. And instead of checking, I was also excited to go hunting that <laughs> I was there at five in the morning having my first coffee. Yeah, yeah, I could hear him out there like moving around and I'm like, I looked at my watch and it's <laughs> the sun's like two hours away from even showing signs of coming up. And I was like, oh my goodness, he's keen. And I, and I was making noises on purpose to try to see if Joe will join me for the coffee and <laughs> we should be start getting ready, but no, yeah, he didn't. So anyway, eventually, eventually, there's like a faint glow of the sun in the in the on the horizon. Well, I shouldn't say that we can't see the horizon, but in the mountain zone. So we get up, we have a coffee. Well, I have my first coffee. Pedro has his probably like tenth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think like the moon did did affect us. Like the the brightness of the moon, it was like complete full full moon. So yeah, the brightness with the snow, you literally could walk and do stuff without even turning your headlamp on. It was incredible, eh? So I think yeah. that affected animal behavior and when they were moving and all that. Yeah, because we 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 started glassing from camp while we're you know drinking our coffees and we could see a lot of tracks up in the snow that weren't there the night before. So it was pretty obvious that animals were moving in that full moon light, which is pretty normal as, as you probably know, but it was, it was quite good. Like I was pretty stoked to see fresh tracks because obviously fresh tracks mean that there's animals nearby. So I think, did we see tar that morning? Yeah, when the helicopter came in. That's right, yeah. So we're, we're sitting, there, sitting there glassing from camp and next thing you know, you hear this, coming over the ridge uh, at the head of our big our big basin that we're looking into and this I'm not going to say what color or what company it is but a helicopter come in a squirrel and come into our our valley and started doing little circles on this face that we're directly looking at and next thing you know I'm looking through the binos and there's tar running in all directions and these guys were trying to 
find a good bull in amongst this mob and obviously they had clients on board and they were going to heli hunt it so Pedro's videoing it with his big camera and we're watching it from camp and this is like this is not what you want to see on your first morning a helicopter just doing this trying to hunt your animals that well I shouldn't say your animals but trying to hunt by the helicopter you shouldn't say hunt either oh yeah true true so this yeah it flew around and then anyway it, it like started coming towards us the helicopter and it got reasonably close eh? and then all of a sudden it like big hard yeah, bend and I it, think he saw they saw my tent yeah might have seen Pedro's tent and it peeled off over the mountaintop and disappeared into you know who knows where so we were both feeling pretty gutted everything was stirred up um, we looked up on the face where those tar were and you could see all the tracks from where all the animals were running but there was nothing to be seen and then um yeah it was just it was it's just gutting eh like it was a gutting feeling gutting to see that on your first morning this is all country that if we wanted to we could be hunting and we were glassing it looking for animals i don't know for me it's something that i don't i don't understand how the our industry has gone into that direction and and why is someone i think like the wild animals their defense especially the mountain game or whatever animal they have they need to have a way to evade us and for mountain game is the mountains and how hard is to reach the mountains and how well they can see you coming but when you start using technology on on your advantage we all use technology because we were we got there by helicopter uh, we are using rifles with better scope, so we all use technology, but I think there there is some things that cross the barrier of what we should be doing um, and seeing people chasing animals, running away from a helicopter, I don't know, it's something that I don't get. Yeah, yeah. it's all pretty common now, unfortunately. It happens, I've experienced it a lot when I've been hunting, have helicopters come and look for animals all around you with people on board trying to shoot them. Um, and, and I think it's probably the only place in the world that you guys are allowed, that it's allowed to hunt this way. I think in the States you can do for certain species for like uh, wild boar control yeah. and all that. But if you see the regulations from America, when you fly in, you, you cannot hunt in the 24 hours after you f you landed yeah and that saves spotting animals from the plane or the yeah helicopter. so you cannot mm. so it's not that you cannot shoot from the helicopter or right you need to wait 24 hours in europe it's even illegal to i mean the, i don't know anyone that uses helicopter mm. so it's not it's not even an option yeah so, so if, if you're from a different country listen to this right now like we we access a lot of our backcountry a lot of our you know our wilderness public land stuff by helicopter just to get into the zone um, a lot of it you can't actually get to by foot some of it you definitely cannot some of it would take you a week to get in there some of it is just you know it's a big mission so we access the areas by helicopter and then from there the helicopter literally drops us off it's just like a super cub over in you know North America and Alaska and places like that dropping you off for the week that's how we get into our hunting areas so um, yeah but what we're talking about is a helicopter flying around with people on board and they're finding animals with the helicopter they're landing the helicopter getting out and they're shooting that animal and then putting it in the helicopter and flying home um, yeah it's not really hunting is it 
No. I mean, like accessing with the helicopter makes total sense because uh, the mountains here, I I think they are a little bit deceiving of what you may have in mind because you, you will look to, to on a map and those peaks are only 1,300, which is not that high. I mean, like uh, there are a lot of places in the world with mountains that go way higher that you can hunt, like 3,000, 4,000 and all that. So you will, you will say like, oh, the mountains are not that high. But since we are on an island and we are like really close to the coast the elevation difference is just they go straight up and the lower areas they have so much bush that going through that first initial push of bush to gain the altitude above tree line uh, must be a nightmare yeah. so super thick and it's super dangerous within there so yeah i think after that helicopter left it was a little while and then eventually we saw the task they were coming out of all their little hiding places, weren't they? And they were trying to regroup up on that face. But what did we do after that? We 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 made our way up the ridge, didn't we? Yeah, I think we hike around and trying to get a better view of the whole valley in general. And I think we didn't spot anything else but that group of tar that day. So it was a pretty pretty slow day, pretty slow day, guys. And um, that night, you know, we sort of regrouped back at camp and had our meal and and went to bed and the next morning we woke up um we saw a, i feel like we saw the chamois right behind camp on that that morning the female, yep. yeah yeah there was a there's a, a valley that ran like a small valley that runs right next to our camp and it's sort of at the head of where we saw the big chamois the first night and we, we peeked over there sipping our coffees and and there was a Pedro, you spotted a doe just underneath some bluffs there feeding, didn't you? Yep. So we watched her for quite a while. A young doe. By herself. Um, we were sort of hoping that, you know, there might be a rutting buck hanging around because it is it is still the rut. Like, they should still be rutting. It is the tail end of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's still, you know, if there's still a buck on the prowl looking for them. So we watched her for quite a while, and it was pretty, pretty cool to see. <laughs> I was still so confused with the jet lag because I was asking Joe, do you think he's pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> because in Spain they are just giving birth to the kids right now, like right at the moment. So you still see some like with really big bellies and some with the little lambs following them. And I was like, you look like he has a really big belly. Maybe and Joe is like, no. She's just fat. She's just fat. <laughs> you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, it's, it, it's the winter. Sorry, I thought it was spring. Yeah, yeah, you're in the southern hemisphere now, bro. <laughs> but yeah. And we, um, after that, I think we, um, we carried on up the ridge and just glassing into as much country as we could see, basins, little guts, little folds, just trying to uncover some animals, but still nothing, man. Like there's not much around, eh? And we're, we're covering a huge amount of country. I think, um, we'll probably, we could even skip forward, man. Like eventually we, we start going into some areas that... Well, without boring you, we cover basically all of the area that we can hunt and we're looking into some amazing country that I would put money on having tar, chamois, even deer in there, but we're seeing nothing. It was very discouraging because it's not that we're not seeing trophy animals, like in terms of like a big bull or a big buck or whatever. We're not seeing females, we're not seeing youngsters and, and basically the same the same animals that we, that same doe, we saw another doe of chamois 
and that little mob of, of tar, mm. we saw them every day. So whatever was in there, we were spotting it, spotting it every single day. So yeah. I don't think there was much. And we did that big mission to the following valley, yeah. which looked amazing and we didn't see a single yeah. thing. Yeah, now that, so we hiked, well before that actually, we were hiking up the ridge and we were looking into all these sunny fingers, you know, the snow is melting at this point. And there was a, we spotted quite a big, big bull tar over where the helicopter had been chasing around. We watched him for a while, eh? he looked like a nice bull. And it was uh, the, the one and only mature bull that we'd seen so far. And he was, I don't know where he was when the helicopter was there, but I, if they'd seen him, they would have tried to get him, that's for sure. He was a really good looking bull. Big golden mane to him, and he looked like he had a lot of age to him. And he was just cruising around up there. So we were watching him. And then down below us, there were a chamois buck walked out. Remember that? That young, yep. like a young chamois buck. Uh, he popped out and he sort of like, he caught us moving the camera. I moved the camera, he caught me moving it, unfortunately. Uh, we did get a bit of footage of him, but he was 200 metres? Yeah, pretty pretty close range. Mm. Um, I just want to peek over in case my tent is yeah, still good. alive or not. <laughs> yeah, go on. Because like, the, the, the pigs are coming out all the time. So you, can you guys hear that rain still? The wind is blowing, the rain's blowing, Pedro's just poking his head out, out of the tent. Making sure his tent's still there. <laughs> All the pigs are popping out. Yeah, it's not not the best weather. Um, so, yes, it's pretty disheartening, man. Like we we walked up to the top of the mountain where we were, where we were camping, and it led us into this huge, big valley over the other side. Now that valley is, I would say, it's some of the best country I have ever looked into as far as like habitat for chamois and tar we didn't see a single thing and we watched it till we watched it till about two hours before dark and then we did like an hour and a half circuit around looking into more really good valleys and then we got back to that one spot and looked back into the main valley and still nothing we didn't see a single thing did we and it was nothing. like think of the best habitat you could find that's what we're looking into and we didn't see nothing so the plan was back to camp um we saw i think we even saw that we might have even seen that doe again oh it was dark by the time we got back so the next morning um we had a, when did we have that close encounter with that doe again you know the camp doe we had the close encounter with her that was after we saw the buck was it or was that the next morning i don't know yeah it's a bit confusing but after that after that exploring mission to the new valley that it was like kind of like we had been on for three or four days on the big valley and we hadn't seen anything apart from those couple of does of chamois and that group of tar really far away. Uh, that promised land was our only option and when after not seeing a single animal over there it's, it's when we decided that we had to move because yeah, time was flying by and, yep. and we hadn't been even close to yep. anything. That's right. So we thought, let's. I inreached the the heli base and I said, can we organise a shift for tomorrow? And uh, they managed to fit us in. And the crazy thing is, there was another helicopter flying up and down the valley that we could see, potentially trying to hunt something. But then, ten minutes before our helicopter was due to pick us up, another helicopter flew back into our basin, 
and was flying around the tops looking for tar and, and trying to hunt again, wasn't it, Pedro? So, yep. And that disappeared over the top and then our helicopter turned up, picked us up, we loaded all the gear in and we flew to another location, which is... Um, and, on, and on the way to that new location, we saw the, the helicopter that was yeah. flying around right underneath us doing who knows what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, so, but, so way down below us, they were hovering just above the rocks and they were either collecting an animal they'd just shot or they were trying to push an animal out of a cave and push it into an area where they could hunt it. But So we're, <laughs> we're watching this and it's like, oh my goodness, it's not good. Um, so we fly around, we fly around and we get to the new location, which we sort of, over the last few days, we'd been sort of like looking at maps and stuff, eh, Pedro, and like figuring out a place that's going to give us some good scope and some good, you know, some good territory to hunt if we want to do some big foot miles. Um, if we can't find any animals, if we're having more helicopter issues with, you know, heli hunting and stuff we needed a lot of country that we could potentially walk into so we picked a spot um, this is a spot that I've I've hunted around the spot I haven't landed in this particular location but I've hunted around the spot we've actually got animals around here and it's it's a cool spot so that was the plan and we ended up flying up the valley and we landed up in this nice saddle it's an alpine saddle what are we elevation was about 1500 meters I think so we're higher than the last camp it's in snow there's a quite a decent sized lake right here right next to where we're camping and we're right in the saddle and we're tucked behind some big boulders and some big snow fields and and um, it's sort of protecting us from that wind that would normally be traveling through that saddle like I, to be honest I'd say if we walked up the top of this big this big shelter that we're tucked that our tents are tucked at the base of it's probably really windy eh? I reckon we're real sheltered right here yeah we'll, I think our tents will be in trouble yeah so we're, um, we landed and it was still amazing weather, still like not a cloud in the sky, amazing weather. Um, a thick base of snow is here, like a thick base of snow and we decided to put our tents at the base of this, this real big rise, you'll see it on the video. Uh, we cleared a little pad out, set up our tents there nice and close together and um, this was sort of our base and while we're setting up our tents man, Pedro, you were filming, you were filming, doing a little talk, and in the background, I'm like looking through the binos, eh? I think you got it on video even, and all of a sudden I see this bull tar on the top of the hill, on top of the mountain above us. It's a fair way off, but I, like, while Pedro's filming, I interrupt him and I said, bull tar, tar. So then, you know, we're pretty excited. We put the spotting scope on it, we put the big camera on it, um, and it turns out there was like three or four up there? Yeah, more, like between nannies and... yeah. But three or four bulls? Yeah. Yeah. And there was a couple of bulls in there that looked like really nice bulls. One particular that looked amazing, like a real nice bull. Old, you know, like a, just a good bull. So this is exciting. Like we've just changed locations. We haven't even set up our camp properly. And next thing you know, we're into like good, good hunting. We've got animals, man. Animals that we can actually, we can look at, we can approach, all that. So it's... A pretty good start to the the next location yeah because five minutes later we were filming grabbing water and i told you there is a nanny coming on the other side of the mountain so we were surrounded suddenly by by animals <laughs> that's right so on the opposite side so the other end of the saddle and this one was close too like within shooting range that yeah. 300 300 something meters no i think less less yeah this nanny's like feeding her way down the ridge towards our camp and she's like looking down at us 
And she'd like stood there watching us for ages, eh? And Nanny Tar, this is, guys, and Nanny Tar. She's watching us for ages, and then all of a sudden she's just like, oh, I'm not too worried. So she kept feeding, and, and me and Pedro are like, <laughs> we're trying to collect water, but we're like too busy looking through our binos, and yeah, it's crazy. It was a cool start, really cool start. Um, there's actually animal tracks crossing through the snow, like right where our tents are. Um, there's sign around. So very cool, very cool new change of, like the spirits have been lifted, man. Like we're feeling good, feeling good. So we, we set up our camp properly. Uh, we had lunch, didn't we? We had a, a big feed and then we um, packed up our gear and did our evening hunt. Do you want to kick off the evening hunt? I don't know, like we, the weather was great, the terrain. It's way steeper than the other area, so it's one of those places that is really hard to see the bottom faces, like the grassy areas where, because we thought that this area was going to be better for Samoa, so that we're going to be looking more into Samoa, so it's so steep that it's really hard to see that bottom areas and fingers of grass where we were expecting to see the Sami, so we decided for the afternoon to take it easy, more to to, in order to wait for the tar to move because we could see those tar on the top of the mountains and they were still bedded. So why are you going to be moving around spooking game if they are bedded? So it's better to be patient, wait for the animals to move and suddenly animals will pick over like anywhere. So we started seeing a few nannies, that young bull tar that came oh, super close. That's right, yeah. So Pedro actually got really close eh? you took the big camera and you stalked over towards him as he was coming towards you and you were yeah. what four meters yeah like four meters i couldn't even focus the camera <laughs> of how close he was like really really close like this bull's walking right towards him he you got you got a segment there that's amazing footage like yeah. this bull walking right at him and then the bull sees him and and blows and runs down so that was a pretty cool encounter eh? yeah and we I don't know, we waited there just trying to see what those bull tar were doing. The sun was slowly setting, setting down, like we, I think we had like two hours left of, of light and we were just like... We're, we're sitting out like on, it's a little, it's a knob that's overlooking the head of the valley that we're in. So our saddle, our camp saddle's up to our right within, from where we're sitting right now, our camp's probably 400 meters in a straight line from us, roughly. Um, but we're sitting out on a knob that's looking up to the head of this this big valley and the head of this valley okay I'll, I'll try paint the picture so you guys can sort of understand what we're looking at we've got down the bottom it's big thick forest and we're up at sort of 1500 meters elevation maybe a touch more where we're, where we're currently sitting and directly below us is this big plateau that sort of right before the right before it drops into forest is this big tussock plateau with lakes and stuff on it which is it's an awesome, ha awesome spot. And in the past, I've seen deer on that plateau, and I've seen chamois on that plateau. Now, at the head of the valley, you've got a small, small side valley that runs into it, and I've seen a lot of chamois in that. So we're looking at this. It's all covered in snow over that side. It's the shaded side, um, but where we are, we're higher in elevation, but it's getting a lot of sun, so a lot of that snow is melted. So we're sort of, we're sitting in patches of snow and tussock, aren't we? And then on our side of the valley it runs up to the mountain top which is the peak and it's about 1800 meters elevation and that's where all these tar are sitting so we're looking directly up this big face um, it's all rocky it's all bluffy um, it's amazing habitat for animals and from where we're sitting we can see it really well and we can 
we start to see them moving down, eh? Like we start to see the animals start filtering down off the tops and they're coming down to sort of our level to feed in the to feed in the tussock and the grasses and stuff like that. And I think yeah, yeah we, we were ready to kind of like okay it's it's we only have like two hours left of light. We if we wanna uh, do something we better start like getting our things ready. We saw that bull. We saw that good bull come down and we decided that we were gonna try to get that bull, remember? Yeah, see, so we were getting ready to like, okay, let's let's pack everything and try to put a stock or move closer or move within, not like within striking distance. So like to try to get, because we were like 800 meters from the, from the big bull that we were seeing on top of the mountain. So we were too far away. So we kind of wanted to, if we were gonna do something, we had to move to get into striking distance to maybe to 500 just in case the bull would get into a stockable position just make that final stock of 200 meters and get into into shooting distance right so yeah we we're getting ready to just get our packs and suddenly joe looks at me like don't move <laughs> i look back and on top of us 150 meters away looking down a big bull tar with i mean you you guys won't imagine how beautiful it was because the sun was hitting him perfectly he was on top of the ridge almost on the skyline all the wind was blowing the hair up and he was just like majestically looking down the valley like trying to see if everything was safe yeah it's like the perfect scene that you when you think of tar hunting this is like the scene this is the if there was a, a painting of a tar hunt this is the painting that you're looking at this big bull standing up there looking down like we're pretty concealed where we are. We're sort of in the grasses in the tussock, but we couldn't move. Like the cameras were out of reach from us, eh? Yeah, I, we, we, I have, was, we have like four cameras yeah. and the four were out of reach of us. Like we, I'm pinned down like telling Pedro, don't move. I'm looking directly up at the bull with the binos. And then eventually he puts his head down and I rushed to the pack and I got the camera out. And I think you altered your position too. You started filming with one of the small cameras. So you guys will see this in our episodes. Um, I'm filming the bull with the big camera, Pedro's filming both of us with the small camera and we're waiting for the bull to sort of get into a position where we can really alter our spot and get into an area where he can't really see us. There was there was a point where he did pick us up, eh, but we were so no, still... No, I, I don't think, I don't think he, he looked on our direction, mm. but I don't think he picked that up because we were not moving and we were laying on the grass, we were not a skyline. Yeah. Uh, so I think like we are in camo, so we didn't have anything I think we saw it right just in time before uh, making a mistake. So when he picked over and, and looked over the valley, you saw it right away. So, and yeah. we were sitting down in that moment. So yeah, we were dead still, and no so one was standing up in that moment when he picked over. So I think he didn't have a clue. And this this bull, guys, I'll tell you a bit about this bull before we carry on. So it's a good mature bull. It's an old looking bull real dark in the face, real good, really good mane on him, real good golden mane, just a really nice looking mature bull. And within shooting range, so I say to Pedro, hey, I was like, he's a shooter, but he's no giant, didn't I? And by the time he said that, that was five minutes later, I mean, five minutes before, I had already put my earplugs on. <laughs> So as soon as I, I, I look, when, when Joe saw the bull coming on the, almost on the skyline, 
and I looked back and I saw the bull, I know it was a shooter. I, I wasn't sure about the horns, but like physically, the the attitude, the, the hair, the, the body size, everything looked like a shooter. And I'm not, I'm not worried about the specific inches of the horns. Not that I want to shoot anything, because may, some people may, it may sound like I just want to kill stuff. No, but I knew that it was a mature uh, animal, and that's what I came here for, to try to shoot a mature representative animal from the area. And the older, the better. And I had that pretty clear. Something in my guts or in my heart told me that it was the right bull, the right moment. Everything was too good to let it pass. So as soon as I saw it, I was like, let's get the earplug thing out of the way. And I was, I put the earplugs on. It was the funniest scene. From my point of view, it's the funniest scene. It's like the earplugs were going in straight away. So I knew that we were meaning business. But so remember guys, this, so this gets, this gets real interesting, this, this bull. So we're looking up at this bull. He's mature, he's old. He's definitely, definitely a really good bull. He, his horns don't look like they're incredibly long. So if it's if you're looking for, if if someone's looking for like a big inch, like a big scoring bull, then you know it's, it's probably something that you'd look past. But the maturity of the bull was exactly what we were looking for. He's probably one of the oldest bulls that we'd seen so far from this camp, wasn't he? So everything was perfect, like Pedro said. The lighting was perfect. Everything was perfect. So we decided to creep up to this. There's a rock, eh? There's a quite a big rock just on the other side of Pedro and Pedro's in between me and the bull uh, he's closer to the bull by about five meters so he goes first you you went first didn't you you crawled up to this rock with the rifle got set up and then once you were in position I moved closer so we could we could talk to each other yeah I think like when when you see an animal and you decide that it may be a shooter or not the first thing you need to do as a hunter or as the guy, as the shooter in this case, if you are with someone else, is to make sure to analyze where you have to be and how you have to to don't waste time. So like I think as you were fetching the cameras, I, I told you like we need to get to that little rock because that's going to allow us to get the rifle in the right angle to, to shoot because the shot was 140 meters uphill but it's straight uphill so it was like a i don't know the angle but it was like pretty much it was steep yeah really steep so i needed a slope and a rock or something to be able to aim that high yeah and it was you took your you took your the top of your pack there as well just in case you needed to rest it under yeah so, I, so my backpack has a lid on top and so it's like a, a pouch that goes on top of the backpack that is detachable and uh, I put like one of my down jackets inside of it to make it like a back rest just in case that you can use also as a front rest if you, the bipod doesn't work or whatever so it's super handy and makes the shot way more more stable so yeah I got that the rifle you were solid man like you had a solid rest I creep into position and, and at this point the bull's like starting to feed up there eh, on these bluffs starting to feed and he's like slowly making his way downwards a little bit and um, every time he puts his head down and like you'll see this on the video you'll see exactly what we're talking about every time he puts his head down me and Pedro are just like moving we're moving into position and we get set up I'm like I'm probably at your feet roughly a eh? Pedro's lying down prone behind the rifle and I'm about at his feet with the big camera on the tripod 
within, you know, we're close together, so with our earplugs in, we can talk to each other and, and make sure we're, we're on the same page and ready. And um, yeah, we pretty much we pretty much just waited for that bull to just clear the skyline, come down with a bit of rock behind him. And um, you want to tell the rest, man? I mean, broadside, I think he felt something. He saw us at, at that point because we were a little bit more exposed with the cameras and the tripods. And the rifles, tripods, cameras and all that have a different sign. And I, <coughs> and that's something like animals really pick up, those little signs from the sun on, and glares on, on the equipment. And I think he felt something was, was on, but 140 meters, I didn't put even the whole magnification on my scope, the red dot. I mean, like all the hair moving, I have, the view was so clear through the spotting scope that I was like, Pedro, please don't fuck it up. Because it's such <laughs> an easy, it, it seemed like a, such an easy shot that it's like, how I'm gonna miss? But I was like, pick a small spot, focus on a small spot and take the shot. Because especially I think it's an animal that has a lot of hair. So it's very complicated to really know where the body is in. Like you can easily fall into shooting a big puffy thing yeah, but that's, you still I should probably touch on that too because that some people might get value from this. So when you're when you're looking at a bull tar, they look like an incredible big puff ball. And what we've seen in the past is a lot of people end up shooting too low on the animal. And where it looks like the vitals would be if you're going by the outline of the body, you know, like the big puff ball mane, the vitals look like they're in a certain spot. And to someone that hasn't you know, seen the tar up close or hunted them before, often they shoot low because you've got six inches plus, you've, sometimes you've got a, a long um, amount of mane drooping down and people think that that's the bottom of the body at times. So often people shoot low um, and that's, it's just the way that, how do I explain it? It's just the way that the mane looks, it can, it can give a false target and a false aiming spot. So you really want to be careful where you aim on bulls because they do have a lot of hair that is basically just dead zone. Like if you put a bullet in the wrong spot, it's you can often miss the animal completely, just shoot through the hair. And I, actually at that distance, I was so secure that I could get a good shot that I was tempted to try to shoot it a little bit forward to try to make the bull drop on the spot. Uh, basically for the recovery, because uh, I think in mountain game, if you are able, if the animal looks like it's on a safe spot, it's better to secure it in that spot than let it run and get maybe on a trickier, more complicated terrain. But since I could see through the scope so much hair flying around, I was like, Pedro, just makes aim for the lungs and, and secure the, the animal rather than trying to take any risks because it has been a, a long road until this point. So yeah, I, I squeezed the trigger uh, the salt felt great and it did uh, a jump, the typical jump when you shoot them a bit low, that is like they jump and they put the head lower and jump like a, more like a bull, like a, like a mule, give a, almost like a mule kick, hunched, but kicked up as they jump forward. Yeah, like a rodeo bull when he, they are trying, so I was like, I think I hit him good, but we didn't know because the bull disappeared. Well, within a second, he was out of our sight. Yes, yeah, so Boom, just gone, out of our sight. And me and Pedro looked at each other and we're just like, oh my gosh, did that happen? Like, the adrenaline dump that we were just getting right now was just like pretty powerful, eh? It was very, it was a very amazing scene, guys. And, a, and it looked like a great shot. 
But when you can't see the animal, you're always thinking, oh, you know, waiting for him to pop up somewhere else. But I think both of us knew that it was a good shot. I was, I was expecting to to see the bull come rolling down to us at any point. I was like, don't stop filming because that thing may fall. And we suddenly, we may see the bulls passing by us <laughs> going downhill because it was pretty steep, but it, nothing happened. So yeah, yeah so we, we packed up our stuff and we started making our way up there, didn't we? And, and you know, 140 meters distance is not very far, but you got to imagine that it's basically straight vertical nearly. So it was took us a little bit to get up there. And, and when we, when we got right into the zone where we expected to expected it to be, we pulled the rifle off eh, and you, you cycled around in the chamber and and we did that last final stalk ready just just in case. We sort of got to where we thought he might be and I remember you walked out onto this, this rocky piece that sort of overlooked all of that area and, and you're pretty high up and you were looking out to the right and then all of a sudden you saw our bull right there below us in a patch of snow and the celebrations, man. Like You, you were yeah, stoked, you I was stoked. You'd only run, I think, like... 20 meters or something if like that, that. Uh, yeah. I don't know it's hard to to tell because the country is confusing but yeah it was pretty uh, amazing so we're we're stoked man we're so stoked at this point we get down to the bull and its head was buried deep in the snow because it had just gone off a gone off a bit of a bluff and straight into the snow and um, at this point the sun is setting we're at we're roughly six, 1,600 meters elevation. We're a little bit higher now. All and the clouds were underneath us because of the ocean clouds, like everything, sunset, bull tar down. Golden light. Pedro picks up, you know, like gets behind the bull and sort of pulls the, pulls the head up. And, and there, like, we were incredibly stoked with what we saw. Both horns were broomed off. So his lamb tips were gone, completely gone. Um, they were broomed off, sanded down, broken tips. Uh, but he had Adrings stacked up to the max and because it all happened so quick and we didn't put a spotting scope on him You know at the time with the, we were just using our binoculars and our eyes because he was so close You couldn't really see how old he was. Eh? We knew he was old and mature, but um, I personally was like blown away when when I saw how many Adrings were stacked up on this bull uh, we've, we've had a we've had a bit of a count up and we think like around the 14 year old is Yeah, it, was it 14? Um, old bull man Old bull, real old gnarly polished, horns. Old polished, all the horns like from rubbing against rocks and all that. I've never seen I've never seen a bull tar's horn so sanded down. Like all the the whole side of it's like you've just been rubbing it with sandpaper for a long time, eh? It's incredible. A lot of the like that dorsal ridge on the horn is um, normally got little knobs where the annuli are, but they're all sanded down. So at the base on the inside you can really count the age rings and there's there's some st seriously stacked up age rings on it and it's an like i was saying to pedro man like that's that is a a bull of dreams right there yeah no I, I i couldn't be happier like if i would have to choose like to shoot such an old animal that has survived so many winters and at the same time that he's probably past maybe past the not the past the breeding age because they can breed until they die but past the fighting age so maybe he's not much into fighting against the young bulls every single day trying to keep the nannies happy you know like he was by its own completely rather than on the group with the others so i think he was doing his own thing he was i don't know i think he was the perfect animal to remove from the mountain so super super blessed oh man it's incredible bull 
I think anyone would be stoked. I would be absolutely over the moon if I had taken that ball. And I, like, I think as far as the hunt goes, man, like we're pretty blessed to have that opportunity, Pedro. And I think that was that was that was just. I just can't believe how how perfectly that laid out. We we set the ball up. We get some photos and and just imagine this, guys. Imagine this. We're on the side of a mountain. We've got the most amazing sunset you've ever seen. We're incredibly high elevation, and the photos. Uh, next level we've got some amazing photos of our hunt so yeah we spend probably the next hour uh, probably right through till dark or so eh? or close to dark we sort of finished up um, getting some cool photos and and all that sort of stuff you, you kind of just have to man in a time like that eh? yeah and I, I don't think it was for the photos it was like because the moment was so special that you just don't want it to end like you just want to enjoy and appreciate Hundred percent. How lucky you are, and you are like just watching the sunset with the animal, beautiful weather, no wind, with a friend, enjoy. I don't know, like it's something that there are not that many things that you do in life that you know that you will never forget, and I think hunting provides many of those. That was so. definitely one of those moments. So, yeah, that was a real special moment. So. We start moving when it got dark and it was starting getting cold. It's like, well, maybe we have to start heading back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we propped the ball up and we left him there in the snow. And the plan was the next day we were going to head up there in the morning and cape him out, take the full skin, the full body skin, um, and then all the meat back to camp. But guys, as you can probably hear, it sounds like that weather may have passed over or starting to pass over. So I reckon, Pedro, we should probably finish this podcast in a few days time once this hunt's over we've got we've still got three more good days of hunting ahead of us and since we've we got our first bull for the trip we're going to try and get another one and um hopefully i get the chance to get one myself is the plan we've done a day's hunting already we did a day yesterday and we had an, a pretty amazing amazing close call with being successful so you guys are going to have to wait till the next podcast to hear that and then we'll recap the rest of the days that are ahead of us. And hopefully, guys, hopefully we have some more good news to tell. But I think, um, man, I'm pretty keen to get out there, Pedro. And I think that we should probably start getting ready. So you guys are going to have to wait if you want to hear what else happens. But you got anything else to add while we, before we wrap this up? Mm, no, I don't think so. <laughs> it's got... It has been pretty awesome being here. So There's been some funny stuff. I've, I feel like there's been a whole lot of funny stuff that I was going to talk about that happened behind the scenes at... <laughs> that you guys would think are hilarious but I'll, I'll, I'll make a point to note them down so that on the next podcast we can tell you about all the funny camp stuff that we've had but yeah guys yeah let's let's have lunch i guess we yeah. haven't eaten in the last hour so nah. we should probably catch up with eating yeah i, I think so especially if we want to go home fatter than we, than we came here <laughs> but yeah guys Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast. Oh, just one thing quickly. Pedro, you're the first guest on this freaking podcast, Jay Ward's podcast. Does, how does that make you feel? You feel Special. <laughs> I, I am the first one. You're the first. <laughs> there wasn't no one better. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but... You were the only person that I could trick into getting... Yeah, yeah, that's pretty in, much it. ...in my same tent. For <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But, anyway, guys, we'll talk to you on the next podcast. So, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you in a... Yeah, in a few days' time, we'll be doing another one, and you guys can hear how we got on for the rest of this nine-day hunt. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. Till next time. <laughs> Puss in boots, sir. Puss in boots, sir. <laughs> Have a good day. Yeah.